Hi, and welcome to the Beloved Bride podcast. I'm Misty House, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. This is a podcast for helping women discover their royal identity in Christ and grow in relationship and intimacy with our bridegroom, King Jesus. Today's message is titled, Life on the Sand is No Day at the Beach, Build on the Rock. So today's scripture that we're going to be focusing on is from Matthew 7, 24 through 27, and it's on the wise and foolish builders. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. One of my favorite vacation destinations is Coronado Island. It's We love to go to San Diego and stay on Coronado Island at the Hotel Dell, and it's this gorgeous historical, historical hotel right there on the beach. And they always have these amazing, impeccable sandcastles. They hire somebody to do them, and I love going out there, taking your picture by this amazing sandcastle, but it always kind of makes me a little sad, too. You know, they have signs out there, please do not touch, fragile, you know, but do people really leave it alone, especially when you've got little kids out on the beach? But it, it just makes me sad because you know whoever did that has this amazing talent. They spent all that time and energy into building something that's temporary, that is not going to last. No matter how careful you are, even if nobody touches it, the elements are still going to have its its way. The wind is going to come, the waves eventually, and little by little, it's going to just disintegrate and wash away and eventually be destroyed and no more. So I want to talk, and life can be like that, especially if we build on the sand. And unfortunately, I've done that before. Maybe many of you listening today have done that, or maybe you are doing that. I pray this message speaks to you right where you are, but know that, you know, even if you have made some mistakes, you've gone your own way, you've built life based on your own dreams and desires, and you left God out of the picture, know that God is a merciful and merciful God, full of grace, and he can redeem your life story. He did that in my life, and I'm going to share a little bit of that later on. But right now, I want to talk about two kingdom truths about life on the sand. Number one, it's no promised land. Sandcastles are temporary. So have you ever built a sandcastle? It's fun, right? It feels good to stick your feet in the warm sand and play around in it for a while. But how long did it last? Is it still standing today? Did the fun last? When we build on the shore, although fun at first in the beginning, rather than on the rock, we are building in dangerous territory that has no happy ending. It's a sad day. The life, marriage, and structures we build on the sand have no real promise in its future. 
because it is not founded, established, and rooted in and on blessed land, holy ground. It has no eternal value. God has a promised land for each of us, and he wants to guide us there if only we're willing to follow him. Number two, it's no happy day at the beach. Sandcastles are vulnerable. They're not stormproof, weatherproof, or waveproof. The wind and waves wash your wishes away, not your worries. Have you ever heard this song? Don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. Well, it might look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice. Yes, you'll have to build your house once more. We used to sing that in vacation Bible school when I was a kid, but without a solid and stable foundation, there is no security. When we behave like stubborn children who rebelliously stick our feet in the sand, demanding to build on our own terms, refusing to do things God's way, we are partnering with him who destroys, Satan. So we can't be surprised when the storms of life hit, which they always do, and nothing is left standing because we were foolish and disobedient. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Proverbs 29.24-25 says, The accomplices of thieves are their own enemies. They are put under oath and dare not testify. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Another way of reading it is, The stiff-necked will be destroyed. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. A partner to a thief hates his own soul. He receives the oath, but does not testify. The fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is set securely on high. So we want to trust in the Lord and build on high ground, the rock of God. So I want to share a bit of my own story and provide a parable of what it looks like to build on the sand and the consequences of that decision, but also share on the unconditional love of our Savior to forgive and extend grace and mercy when we turn away from our way and choose to follow the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm reading from my book, Emergence, How to Experience Beauty and New Life in Dead and Dark Places. And I'm going to read here in chapter 5, titled The Wages of Sin. I'm just going to pick up from the subtitle, Thorns and Thistles. But to just give you a little bit of background, I've been talking through this book about my first marriage, which was built on the sand, and it didn't last long. The waves, the wind came, and they beat against our house, and great was its fall. Once that began to happen, I mean, the winds and the waves literally began to just rip my husband and I apart, and our marriage ended up in failure. But that doesn't have to be your story. If in whatever, you know, not just talking about marriage, but in this instance, I'm going to look back at my experience, but also um, I'm going to share a little bit from my, my childhood experience. So that's where I'm picking up right here, thorns and thistles. When my parents moved us next door to my loving grandparents, we built our home on an old maize field that my grandpa used to farm. The land was being used to store hay bales, and the ground had become sandy due to not being cultivated regularly. We set our house on the property and worked hard, planting grass, trees, and shrubs. Despite our attempt to grow new life and green vegetation, there was a problem. 
sandburrs had spread from the hay bales and consumed the property. These prickly pests were horrible. We couldn't walk across our lawn without the soles of our shoes being covered with stickers. We would then have to use a tool to scrape them off, but often they would make their way into our home. It was common to hear someone in our family yell from stepping on one of the painful nuisances. We tried everything to treat our lot and get rid of these weeds. We would go out and pick brown paper bags full of stickers, but we wouldn't even make a dent in the numbers. We would spray, pick, and hope, but they just kept multiplying. Finally, we burned the field in the hopes that we would get rid of them once and for all. However, our desperate attempt failed once more. I believe this story represents a spiritual parable of what it might look like if you built your house on the sand rather than on the rock of God's word. Jesus often spoke in parables to his disciples. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a parable is a short story that teaches a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus Christ in in the Gospels. These illustrative stories, truths, and comparisons are drawn through nature or human life in order to stimulate thinking and awaken spiritual perception. This is how he often speaks to me still, and I pray that he will also use these illustrative stories to speak to you as well throughout the entirety of this book. Obviously, I'm not reading my entire book. I hope you will go and get that, but I'm going to pick up in the story. I encourage you to invite Jesus, our good teacher, to reveal to you what he is saying. You can do this by simply asking and praying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me personally through this text and your word? Or in this case, this podcast. We can try our best to build, sow, and attempt to create life in our lots. But if we choose to build our house on the sand, we will tirelessly struggle to bring forth fruitful life as we labor over thorns and thistles. These thorns and thistles represent the troubles invited into our lot when we choose to walk in sin or when sins are passed down through our generational lines. Some of the culprits responsible for this invitation may be disobedience, rebellion, unbelief in God's word, and the failure to stand on it, and self-reliance. It's impossible to remove these troublesome thorns and their painful consequences through our own attempts. By ourselves, we lack the necessary tools and treatment required to eliminate sin and its effects. Therefore, unless properly dealt with, we will continue to track in, carry, and spread the devastation into our homes, families, and the next generation's lot. Despite our best intentions, To sow good seed, troublesome weeds seek sandy spots where they may continue to root, multiply, hitchhike, and eventually choke the life out of the seed sown. Mark 4, 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. These burdensome sandbars represent the sin of iniquity or generational sins that are picked up by parents or grandparents or passed down from them to their children and so on in the way that Adam and Eve pass their sin on to us. They represent a pattern or cycle of unhealthy, ungodly behavior or tendency to rebel or reject obedience to God's word rather than stand firmly on it. Sin left untreated in our garden beds 
prevents the land from receiving God's rain, the blessings poured down from above over our lot and from bearing fruit. The result is dry ground, hardened hearts, sandy soil where sand birds thrive, and the transference of pain and torment upon the next generation. None of us are without sin. Therefore, every family has iniquities, even Christian families. If not properly dealt with, cries will continue to be heard as they are tracked into the homes of the descendants. These iniquities can't simply be scraped away. They must be ripped up from the root. In order to break off iniquities, we must look to God and cry out to Him to remove these painful thorns and thistles from our lives. Then, God's holy fire will consume them once and for all as we turn to Him and refuse to walk in sin any further. Asking God to cover our sin and the sin of our bloodline with the blood of Jesus and relying on the help of the Holy Spirit to lead us toward righteousness are the only tools powerful enough to treat these iniquities. This is how we prevent further transference of pain and release his blessings of rain. In the same way that the cross was the only tool and the blood of Jesus was the only treatment powerful enough to rid sin from the evil world inherited from Adam and Eve, Jesus' spirit is the only solution for breaking off the patterns of generational sin in our families. Only Jesus has the power to conquer sin. We must rely on God and the power of his word and spirit to turn us away from sin and to transform our hearts and minds to think and act like Christ. For soil that drinks the rain which often falls on it and produces crops useful to those for whose benefit it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it persistently, persistently produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to be cursed, and it ends up being burned. That's Hebrews 6, 7-8, through 8, the AMP version. Building our house on the sand represents living life in our own strength, in our own way, and based on our own desires and beliefs. I want to point out that building on the sand doesn't necessarily mean you don't believe in God and aren't saved. It might just mean that you have stopped believing in his ability and power, that you have stopped trusting him, relying on his wisdom and knowledge, and that you have stopped standing on his truth. Instead, your focus has shifted away from God and his plan and promises and onto you and yours. As a result, the wavering life you've built through your own power begins to crumble and sink beneath your faltering feet. By contrast, building our house on the rock is living life in obedience to God's word, relying on his strength and provision, and following his direction, plan, and purpose. We're living in faith, trusting him along the way, and cooperating with God. Building our homes on the rock protects us from thorns and thistles. Its solid foundation beneath our feet helps shield and prevent us from walking into unstable, unreliable, and unhealthy situations where life-changing and destructive choices shake us, break us, and mold our lives into the worldly pattern of sandy sin. God has revealed some of the iniquities of my bloodline and shown how they continue to hitch a ride into my own life. Such iniquities include premarital sex, divorce, anger, bitterness, pride, resentment, rebellion, 
and I'm just going to give a big list. So some of these, you may see these transferring throughout your, old, your own bloodline. Unforgiveness, isolation, idolatry, depression, fear, worry, distrust, self-reliance, and insecurity, to name a few. I believe as I moved from place to place in my spiritual walk with God, that for years I was still carrying thorns and thistles with me. I had tried to get rid of them in my own strength, but failed. Eventually, God sent his holy fire to come cleanse me and burn away this generational sin at the root once and for all. As a result, I was purified to walk freely without the nuisance of tormenting pain from my past failures and mistakes, as well as that of my parents. These particular thorns and thistles would cease to torment me and my descendants. The curse of the ground was removed. My children will no longer inherit thorns and thistles. Thistles. From here on out, the ground we walk will be blessed because of choosing to obey, stand, and build our home on the rock of God's word. I'm not implying that my children will walk this earth without troubles of their own doing, sin, mistakes, or failures. I'm simply declaring that they will move forward without picking up and carrying on mine. I'm praying now to break off the pull and tendency to lean toward those same destructive patterns of sin carried throughout my bloodline. Instead, they'll receive a push in the upright and opposite direction toward a path of future blessings, not curses. I'm praying that my children will not follow in my sandy footsteps, like mother, like daughter. Rather, they follow in God's, like father, like son. In breaking off this old cycle, I'm collaborating alongside God to write a new decree over my bloodline that carries on a legacy of blessings, yielding fruits of righteousness to be inherited and passed down to the next generation and future generations to come. Matthew 13, 22 through 23. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. The worries of life, financial instability, fear, jealousy, distrust, etc., health issues, have a way of choking out the good seed, the truth of God's word that we planted. Troublesome weeds overtake the lot and rob it of its fruit-bearing capability. Even Christians sometimes foolishly build their homes on the sand, failing to stand on God's strength and provision when trouble comes. But it is never too late to start over. We can wisely invite God into our plans at any time. He can create and design a new project built on fertile ground and a solid foundation that will weather the storms and stand the test of time. Unfortunately, this would not take place in my own life until later on down the road. Like I said, I, I was sharing my story, and I was young when I married the first time. I was 19 years old. I made some mistakes, and I didn't build on the rock. I want to read Matthew 7, 24 through 27 again. Build on the rock. Therefore, whoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But who, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I'm so thankful for God's grace in my own life. I've experienced it, and I'm sure you have too. And it's such good news to know that no matter when we fall, if we fall, when we fall, God is always there with his grace to pick us back up. Grace, according to the Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology, is described as the unmerited favor of God toward man. Grace is something we don't deserve or earn, but it's what we receive. We are sinners, yet we've received the precious gift of grace and the bestowal of blessings in exchange for the punishment we deserve. We are allowed to start over and carry on with our lives in spite of our foolishness, sin, and failures to build upon the rock. Not only will we receive this grace by God when we repent, change our minds and turn away from our sin, and turn toward him for forgiveness and guidance, but we should also extend grace and forgiveness to others when they hurt, offend, or disappoint us, especially if they're our parents. When we honor our parents, we honor God's desire. We all desire grace and forgiveness, but if we deny it to others, God will deny it to us. So to be set free of our iniquities, we must receive God's word, apply its truth, do what it says, and extend the grace, the gift of grace to others. Here is a prayer to break off iniquities taken from the book, 10 Steps Toward Christ by Jimmy Evans. Pray this with me. Father, I recognize this iniquity and repent of my involvement in it. I forgive my parents for anything they have done wrong, and I bless them. I ask for your forgiveness and receive it. I also break the power of this iniquity off my life in the name of Jesus. I break, and then it has just an empty blank, fill in the blank, so where you would name the iniquities that you've recognized. I break these iniquities off my life and all future generations. I renounce it and pray that you will heal me and teach me how to change this area and to walk in obedience to you. I thank you for forgiving me and setting me free in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to skip down a little bit towards the end of my chapter in this book and just close with this. God never wanted us to leave the garden. He never wanted us to lose paradise. He never wanted there to be separation between us and him. He created us to be together for all eternity. He did, however, give us free will. He wanted us to decide to love and serve him for ourselves. He didn't force his love upon us. It is up to us to receive his love and receive him as our father. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. No matter what you've been through or what you've done, you are worthy of the Father's love and forgiveness. As a born-again believer, you don't have to work to cover your sins or make yourself righteous, as did Adam and Eve. The cross accomplished that for us. Dear one, instead of walking in shame, guilt, and condemnation, come to the Father and walk in His grace and acceptance. 
It is the enemy's voice that convinces us to hide from God. But God says, where are you? Child, step into the light of his redemption. God's not angry or disappointed in you. He's madly in love with you. And that's the end of that chapter. So here are just three kingdom keys to hold on to. Choose your lot wisely. Set your foundation faithfully. Remain planted permanently. So ask yourselves some questions. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message? Are you living life on the sand or on solid rock? Are the troubles of this life, worries, fear, choking the life from the good seed you've planted, the weeds? Are you being tormented by sandburrs, thorns, and thistles that have hitched a ride into your life? Or are you walking freely without the pain from your past or generational sin? Have you cried out to God to ease your pain and suffering and break off iniquities? Beloved, it's not too late to build your life on the rock. I pray this message was a blessing to you. Please rate and share this podcast with someone you know and help spread the good news of the gospel around the world. Thank you for joining me today. Remember that as a daughter of the King, you are the beloved bride of Christ and your bridegroom is crazy in love with you. For more Christian encouragement, check out my books by visiting my website at mistyhouseauthor.com. It's there that you can get a copy of Emergence and learn how to experience beauty and new life in your story. God bless. 